All right, lads, uh, welcome back to my podcast, Cheaper Than Therapy, Mick Thomas here. Um, how are you? Not all enthusiastic today, right? Not at all, uh, not asking for the, the subscribes and shit like that. Um, yeah, a, a good friend of mine, I want to talk about him, a good friend of mine on Friday passed away and I'm, and and everybody pretty much knows anybody who's listened to this from the comedy community. Um, Carla Bove or Carla Bove. Some people pronounce it different. Uh, passed away on Friday of, um, of prostate cancer and he'd been fighting with prostate cancer for, for years and um, yeah, and he and he passed away on on Friday, and I kind of didn't want to do a silly podcast and all that stuff, but um, you know, I just said I'll put a quick episode out this week about about Carl and talk a little bit about him because just kind of what he meant to me. Um, if you don't know who Carl Lebov is, uh, there's reasons for that you don't you don't know him, but Carl Lebov kind of got the shit end of the stick in in life was dealt a shitty hand um and that's why you don't know him if you don't if you if you don't know who he is because he should have been you know a household a household name to me he should be on the mount rushmore of comedians um you know i grew up in ireland as you know and uh, the only comedian I knew was Billy Connolly, right? It was kind of the only comedian that they had in Europe. And then you had a few more came along uh, throughout, you know, the years and stuff. So, um, but when I came to America, I was on this, this, um, the first American comedian I saw was Eddie Murphy in Delirious in a video. It was from a video van. A guy would drive around to your neighborhood and you would just get a video van. And I ended up getting Delirious with Eddie Murphy and, uh, you know, then I needed to know all about American stand-up. You have to understand I'm a child at the time. Um, I know, a child shouldn't be watching Eddie Murphy's Delirious, which is still one of my favorite comedy specials. So I went, I, I, when I came to America, I had this hunger to find out about American stand-up. I wanted to learn from it. I wanted to find out, you know, what who was... Who were the 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 main? Who were the 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 American Billy Connollys? And you know, you go down this rabbit hole of George Carlin, Richard Pryor, of course. Um, you know, and now now you see, uh, you know, you see now you've got like Bill Burr and Louis C.K. and you know Brian Regan. You know, their name always comes up with being the greatest comics of all time. But also, who comes up in conversation is Sam Kinison. And Sam Kinison, you can't men, you can't talk about Sam Kinison without talking about Carla Bove. Um, they were they came up together through you know both from Texas, and um, you know the best friends inseparable. Car, um, Sam Kinison died in in Carl's arms when he was in that car accident, and you gotta go look it up. I'm not gonna go into detail about that much about Sam Kinison on this, but. If you Google, you know, on YouTube, the story, the death of Sam Kinnis, and he fell out of the car into Carl's arms and Carl kind of talked him through his final, his final moments in life. Um, that's, that's how close they were. So I, I kind of, you know, 
what I went on this rampage of like this this thirst for American comedy knowledge and history, and I um I came across Carl above and. If you think there's YouTube stuff out there of Karl Lebov, of stand-up, there's not. There's not. There's clips of stand-up clip, but it's not really what it is. To see what Karl Lebov was on stage, you had to be in a room where he was on stage. Video will never translate it. YouTube will never translate. And that goes for all comedy, I think, but especially for Karl. Um, so I got a phone call. I was doing comedy a wet day. I mean, by wet day, you know, like two, three years in, four, four years in maybe. And I got a phone call from Governor's Comedy Club to go and open up for, to MC, not even open up, for Carl LeBove. And I went, yes, I knew I had plans that night, but I just said, don't give up that spot. Let me get back to you. And called him back within minutes. I canceled my plans just to make sure. And I called up the club and I went, listen, I'm yes, I'm gonna, I want to work with Carl LeBove all weekend. And that was it. You know, that was it. And, I, and, and, and then I met Carl for the first time in the green room of governors. And from that minute on, we became friends. And now there's a lot of comics. You'll see them online. They'll go, Oh, my friend passed away. My friend. And they, and that, that's how, that's how they looked at their relationship with Carl. And, and they, when they were and Carl did that for people, Carl made you think that you were not think as in, you know, is in a mischievous way, but the relationship and the energy and the love you got from Carl above, you felt, um, that he was your friend from the second, you know, the second from the get go. And, uh, so I went, I went up, I brought him up on stage and I ran out from the green room all around the floor to watch his set. And I'd never seen stand up comedy like that in my life. I, I never did. He rips the room apart. I mean, ripped it apart harder to this day. And I'm doing comedy 14, almost 15 years now. He, to this day, I've yet to see somebody rip a room apart like Carl did that night and every other night I got a chance to work with him. There's no, there's none out there like it. I, and I've seen them all. I've seen all the greats. I've been in rooms with all the greats and I've never seen anybody rip a room apart like what Carl did. And then he did this thing at the end of the show where it was, uh, when you had a headache from laughing, like, like a fucking vicious headache from laughing um you went i went out to the room again to watch because i thought he was done but he went back out on stage and he took a guitar with him and he sat on the stage and he strummed the guitar and he told these stories of the road and every audience was people putting their jackets on to leave because thought the show was over and carl came back out and then the jackets came off people got on the phone fuck you babysitter i'm right and I'd never seen anything like it. And he sat there and he just strummed the guitar and the spotlight was on him. And he just told these stories of like Rodney Dangerfield and all and all these things. And we and we were friends from then on, right? Like he the next day he calls me up and he complimented me on my set and you know, and I'm not gonna make this about me. Um but he complimented me on the set, and 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 then he said, "Hey man, I would I I would love I would love to hang out because we talked about golf, and we went down. We played golf the next day. It was a summer day, and we played golf somewhere out east on Long Island. And Carl was an amazing golfer. Like what you the thing about Carl is that in a celebrity contest, which I didn't know this, in the top 
the top two celebrities for celebrity golf was Alice Cooper, right? That might, you know, you might be very kind of uh, shocked to hear that. And then Carl, Carla Bove. And uh, I have this, and I talked about it with my friends the last time we played golf. I have this, I think it's called a hook. Slice to the left, hook to the right. So I think of a hook. And I play it to that hook and I turn my body all the way over here and I hit the ball and it curls in. And Carl immediately went, no, dude, this, that, the other man. And he, you know, it's this California accent. Uh, and he, you know, he corrected the posture and then immediately banged the ball straight as an arrow. And I can't, I can't remember what he showed me. I can't remember what he taught me because about two years went by and I hadn't played golf again. I forgot what he showed me, but he corrected it like, right. He was just an amazing golfer. But from then on, we were friends. He would come to my house, uh, you know, play with my kids. He would have dinner at my house and, um, you know, and then he would just, like, we we drove everywhere together because Carl didn't have a license. Now, the reason why Carl didn't have a license, now you can go on to Mark Marin, uh, What the Fuck, WTF podcast, from 2011, he interviewed Carl, and I, I recommend you li- you go back and listen to that episode because he talks about a lot of stuff I'm going to kind of brush over. But Carl and Sam Kinison were, like I said, g- inseparable. And Sam Kinison was selling out Madison Square Garden, you know, only theaters, only massive, massive arenas. And, of course, Carla Bove was on that show. Both of them were on that show, inseparable. And Carl had a three-year-old daughter, and um, he got a phone call that uh, after Sam had passed away, he got a phone call and it was his ex-wife, wife at the time. And she said, um, now I'm not going to go into details about this because it's, it's kind of Carl's story and I don't want to say something that legally might get me in trouble in case I, I, I misquote. And a lot of this stuff is what Carl told me. And and you can listen to it on the, the kind of the details of that on Mark Marin. We talked about some of the details, but he went into like a really a lot of specifics with me. And uh, again, I'm, I'm so whatever I tell you is what was repeated to me. But um, so the daughter was like three years old, maybe four. And the wife said it to him, his ex-wife said to him that the baby's not yours. It's Sam's. It's Sam's. So his best friend had got his wife pregnant. And now Sam couldn't tell him. Sam didn't know what to do to do about it. Um, so Carl, obviously being crushed and in in a fucking in a downward spiral, you know, um, went off the rails a little bit. Right now he obviously goes, well, I'm not paying child support. And the good, the weird thing about the child support was he was paying because he was making like hundred over hundred grand a year from theaters and arenas. He was making over hundred grand a year now. He wasn't, the child support was like two or three grand. He didn't have that kind of money a week. He didn't have that money coming anymore. Why? Because he wasn't working with Sam anymore. He never, he never came up through the club. Like he never, he didn't know comedy clubs. He only went fucking, he did, he did his time at comedy clubs, but he only went like to, to theaters. So he didn't have those connections in comedy clubs. He didn't have agents, didn't have managers and that kind of stuff to speak up for him. So he had no work. And then what would happen is like, he'd been in a bunch of movies, TV shows like Seinfeld, Roseanne. Uh, he was good pals with Jim Carrey, Robin Williams. And what happened was they gar- they, in the state of California, they garnished his wages. Um, they garnished his wages. So now he couldn't work, right? He couldn't 
go, go couldn't go on auditions. He lost his driver's license because California take your license, your passport. So he couldn't get any shows. And any shows he got, the government would just take the fucking money from him. And um, he, he couldn't do any. Like, he couldn't be Carla Bove. He couldn't go out with that fucking talent and and earn money like he should have. Like, you, you should all know who he is by now. That's what I mean by he got dealt a shitty hand. None of it was his fault. He didn't want to... He didn't have to pay... And he shouldn't have to fucking pay child support for something like that. You know, but that... I mean, that's for another episode, I guess, when you talk about... We could talk about laws and that kind of stuff. But... So Carl, you know, he, he, he lost it all. He lost it all. And, and then he ended up on, you know, Long Island because he couldn't drive to gigs and stuff. And and I became almost like his his driver, right? Whenever he got small gigs here and there, uh, you know, and comedy clubs would, would, would cut him out. Comedy clubs wouldn't hire him because they knew the IRS was looking for him. So, like, he got fucking blacklisted because they, they didn't want the government knocking on their door saying, you're hiring this guy. He owes us money. Are you paying him under the table? You know what I mean? Because like, he was on Howard Stern and all the dates were posted online. And that's where people knew where he was going to be. That's where the government knew where he was going to be. And uh, so Carl ended up on Long Island. And um, and that's, you know, that's where I met him, of course. And that's where we became fucking friends. And we, we you know, he lived with a, with a friend in Bish or Mark Lund. Um... But I would go over to the house and Carl would just be sitting there strumming a guitar, smoking weed. I would sit with him. I don't smoke weed, but I would sit with him and just watch him play guitar. And he's one of the reasons I play guitar today, actually. You know, and uh, I was with Carl. Well, I actually met the daughter. I met I, I met the girl. Um, I don't want to mention her name, but it's not. It's common knowledge, of course, but you could look it up. Um... Spitting image of Sam. Oh my God, she was a spitting image of Sam. So she came into the room and uh, Carl gave her this, like as a gift, this beautiful, beautiful guitar. And I just remember, just just stuff like that. And I remember like, um, you know, being there when, when you know, we, we'd go for a drive, for example, you know, and just like listening to his story, just how he looked at things, man. You know, he was just, like we would listen to the Doors together because I'm a big Doors fan, and he, but but like he would listen to it like slightly different than you. He would hear stuff in it that you never heard, and he, you know, like you'd listen to the song "Writers on the Storm," "Writers of the Storm," and he's like, "Listen, man," he's like, "Listen to Rob Manzarek. Look, he's he's playing the rain on the piano. He's playing the raindrops, and you listen like, and you're like, doo doo doo, like fuck yeah, he's like." You know, he looked at things different, but we would go, I would go to the city a lot and I would do some spots. And if I was at the comic strip, when I was just kind of recently, I was new to the comic strip and Carl would come in and all these comics would be just all over him because they knew who he was. And, and Carl would come in with me and he would sit in the back of the room and just watch my set. And Carl wouldn't even have a set that night. Carl wouldn't have a set in any club in the city. He just wanted to come and hang out and watch my sets and you know, we, we, we would, uh, he would watch the set and then after the set, we would go, we would go to Central Park and we would walk and he would talk about my set and what he liked and what maybe I might want to, like never say what he didn't like, you know, that's just how he was. It was like, here's what I like about your set and here's what you might, you know, let's do it different. Like if we try, if you try this, move this here, move that there and, and, um, 
But we would walk for hours, man. He would tell me these fucking stories, like these just stories that, because again, he was like, you know, coming up in the in the in the eighties and the nineties, like he was fucking just like one of the biggest things ever. And, and you know, he would tell you stories about hanging out with Paul McCartney, and he how he told me this one story about like how he helped Sting cheat on his wife, but they got caught because they had the conversation, and the baby monitor was on. And, they, and him and Sting got caught and he was trying to help Sting. Uh, he's trying to help Sting uh, cheat on his wife. And, you know, he would talk about... He told me one of the coolest stories about Robin Williams when Carl was a doorman and Robin Williams would come in and Carl just... Carl's favorite comic was Robin Williams and he just wanted to be like Robin Williams. Mark and Mindy was out when Carl was doing stand... was starting stand-up and... Carl and Robin have that energy. Like, you, you know what I mean? Again, if you've never seen them, you probably, you, you'll probably never get that taste of what I'm talking about on, online. You can look, you can try, but you won't get it. And he would talk about, you know, Robin Williams. And Carl was a doorman at the comedy store. Uh, I hope it was the store or else the Laugh Factory, but I think it was the comedy store. And uh, Robin Williams would come in. Robin Williams was, was, was Mark at the time, right? He was Robin Williams. And he would walk in and, and, and Carl thought the way, he walked, saw where Robin Williams come in do a line of coke, do his set and leave. And Carl thought, well, the way for me to meet him is if I bring him coke. So Carl brought in cocaine and Robin Williams showed up and he's like, hey, Robin, I got some of this. And Robin's like, hey, oh, hey, oh. And they would go into the office and they would do a line. Go, and all of a sudden they were buddies, right? And this happened every night. And then one night, Robin Williams came in and Carl didn't have anything. And Robin was like, oh, okay. And, and, and left Carl alone. And then Carl was like, you know, hey man, I'm I'm sorry. I, I thought you'd be different. And Rob Williams said to him, like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I just thought, you know, I guess you were only kind of wanted to be friends just because I gave you coke." And then Robin Robin Williams just said to him, he stopped and he brought him back into the office and he was like, "Hey man, look at everybody just wants to do cocaine with me. They want to party with me. Nobody really wants to hang with me like the real me." He goes, "So I'm so sorry if that's, you know, if I came across that way." And then from then on, him and Robin Williams became really good friends to the point where Robin Williams had this reputation of stealing material. Um, of course I never, you know, I, I never got a chance to see any of that stuff, but, um, him and Carl were driving to the tonight show, Johnny Carson. And Carl was telling him this Robin Williams, funny story about something that just happened to him. So Carl is in the green room on, in, in at Johnny Carson at Tonight Show and Robin is on stage sitting at the couch he's not even in stand-up anymore he's too big for stand-up he was just straight to the couch he was a guest now not like a, a comedian doing a spot on, on, on late night and he um and he and he Robin Williams just broke out into the story that Carl just told him and Carl just got up and left he got up and left and he walked out and he hadn't seen Robin in years and then all this shit happened at the com you know all this shit happened with Sam Kinison Carl lost everything, like everything. He couldn't get a car. He didn't ha couldn't get an apartment because nobody, you know, he couldn't get a sign. So he meets Robin Williams one night, and Robin Williams like, "Hey man, we're, I got back to the green room and you were gone. Like, what happened?" He was like, "You know, you, you took my material and I, I just didn't like it. And you know, if you're going to willing to do that with my material, what else might you do with our friendship?" And and Robin was like, "I'm I'm sorry. What what can I do to make it up for you?" And Carl says, "You could help." help me get an apartment could you co-sign on an apartment for me and robin williams gave him a two-bedroom condo um gave him the keys to it. it was one of robin's it wasn't like he didn't buy it for him or you know but he just goes there's here's the keys here's the go live there 
And he lived for, uh, I think, two or three years in Robin Williams' uh, two-bedroom condo. Um, you know, man, but like I said, you know, we walked around and we just for hours, hours upon hours, just telling me, telling me stories like that. And he was just, he was such a good man, you know, and he was just like, just, you know, he was like full of like, and, he, and his last message, which I posted on my page, his last public message was him from back in October when he knew he only had, um, he didn't have, have much longer to go, you know, and we text back and forth. We, we you know, we, we talked towards the end and text more, more so towards the end. I just didn't, don't think he liked talking because it was like, it was a struggle to talk on the phone. Um, uh, but his last message was like, just of on, on YouTube was just of, of, uh, love and uh, I think I have like the, I remember the, like the last time I texted him, which was just just uh, a few weeks ago. Let me see it. Um, just 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 who he was, and I I I just uh, the message was oh yeah just like how you doing man he's like good days as of late how are you kicking I go that's great to hear anything I can do for you. And he goes, no, good thoughts are working fine. Big smiley face uh, from all my friends. I appreciate your friendship and thoughts. And I went, always, man, please uh, reach out. His, his last uh, message anyway anyway like I said I don't uh Like I don't, I don't believe in heaven and, and hell and all that shit. But uh, it'd be cool, man, to hang out again. Anyway, if you get a chance, go uh, check out Carla Bove stuff. Read his stories. All right. Cheers for listening. <laughs>